Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. You're in for one hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. I like to say every Sunday, we do hear what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, it just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but what we want you to know is we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here. We want to guide and encourage you every time you're here. Uh, today, what we're doing is we're continuing a newer series called At the Movies, and what we're doing is we're looking at some of summer's big movies and seeing what biblical truths we can learn from them on. Uh, summer, it just tends to be a busier time, right? Anybody busier during the summer? Oh, none of y'all. All All right. Well, I expect you here every week. That's going to be amazing. Um, But we just tend to be busier during the summer. And some of the natural things that we just tend to do during the summer, like watch movies, uh, we're trying to see if we can learn and find ways to observe them and allow God to speak to us through these, these movies or these types of things, as long as we use scripture as a guide when reflecting on them. Now, We kind of need stuff like this during the summer, it seems, because let's be real. Whether we try to or not, we engage in many other things and sometimes forget to spend time in Scripture, right? Or at least as often as we'd like. But what if, what if you could be inspired to look to the Bible more with some of the movies we see and some of the messages we do here during this series? And that's our hope, is for today and throughout this entire series, is to inspire you to look to the Bible on some of the things we're talking about today. Now, as you walked in, I hope you had some giveaways of this weekend's movie that we're looking at. Big Footprints, Jungle Print, T-Rex, Blow Up Dinosaurs even. Hopefully you got a picture with them. But in case that didn't give it away for you, the movie we're looking at today is Jurassic Park. Not the first Jurassic Park, not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not the fifth, not the sixth, but the seventh actually, and supposedly final one, um, and it's called Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, and if you've never seen a Jurassic Park movie before, let me just give you the, the rundown of Jurassic Park for you, because uh, it's pretty much the same in every single one. Scientists discover something amazing, like recreating dinosaurs or replication or cloning or whatever. Uh, The research, it gets out of control, dinosaurs take over, someone gets eaten, lives are at risk, there's a dinosaur chase scene that usually happens, and then people kind of find a way to manage and coexist with the dinosaurs until the next movie comes out. That's pretty much what happens every time, and it's awesome. It's awesome. The new and the last one, it came out this weekend, and if you're not familiar with it, I want to show you a little trailer of it to get you caught up. But there's a line in there, actually a couple lines, that we're going to reflect on throughout this whole message. Give it a watch. Blue, you had a baby. That's impossible. Hey, girl. You look just like your mother. not been unleashed. We made a terrible mistake. The 
doomsday clock might be about out of time. I made a promise we would bring her home. You made a promise to a dinosaur? Yeah. What? Everybody hold on to somebody. That can't be right. What is that? Biggest carnivore the world has ever seen. Run! See? Not so bad. Awesome, right? Looks exciting. Now, there's a line in it uh, that, in this preview, that kind of this whole sermon is addressing. Uh, can you guess just in your head or think about some of the lines they said? Well, one of the doctors, what she says is, if our world's going to survive, it matters what we do now. Have you ever wondered that? Like, if what you do for the earth or the universe doesn't matter, like, does what you do environmentally matter to God, or, or should it as a Christian? Does what we choose to maybe allow or not allow to happen while we're here on earth make a difference? Does making dinosaurs or playing with genetics or whatever new scientific discovery or possibility we have access to does it matter in how we use them? I mean, if scripture, like in kind of the general Christian perspective is, is it's all going to burn, it's kind of what 2 Peter 3.10 like alludes to. It says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth will, and everything done in it will be laid bare. It's all going to burn and be bare is kind of the general thought behind it. And it's what it says and implies and that's a lot, a lot of apocalyptic scripture applies. But is it true? Does it really matter then if it's true? Again, have you ever wondered that? What's the point? Does what I personally do for the earth and the world, does it matter? Now, as I was thinking about this and, and kind of just like studying uh, and getting ready for this message, an analogy came to mind for me. Uh, and how it came to mind was I started to think about the earth in the same way as I do my body. Even though I know my body at some point is going to rot in the grave, at some point, I'd still do things for it. Now, it's been uh, something that kind of has changed for me over the years. I'll, I'll give you a little background on myself here. Now, a little background on me is I'm in my mid-30s, and I feel God has blessed me with a metabolism and a stamina that allowed me to have a it-doesn't-really-matter type mentality for the first 30 or so years of my life. Like what I did physically, what I intook, what I, how much I slept, how hard I was on my body, uh, it wasn't a big deal to me. Now, I was like maybe sore for a minute after like some tough like things, but then I was back to normal. Honestly, when I was much younger, things mattered to me more than I, when I was like in my 20s or even early 30s. It mattered years in school because I played sports and I wanted to be my prime, so it mattered what I did then. It mattered to me then to have a good physique, so I did particular things, 
but I'm not an athlete anymore, and I'm married. So let's let the dad bod come out, right? Now, this kept me at the, it doesn't really matter what I do for my body mentality. I know some of y'all can relate with me, but that was me for a while. And I live with that mentality of not having to do anything special from like 20 to 30. And luckily, like, I just did a lot of fitness things. My wife and I, we did a lot of fitness things together. We'd play tennis. She was the first chick that could beat me in tennis. We rollerbladed, paddleboarded. We sailed together. We did mountain biking. We ultimate frisbee with grooves. We did rock climbing. We'd hike 10, 15 miles in a day. We even did like spike ball competitions. It was awesome. But then I started to see this gradual change in the last five or so years for me, we kind of slowed a bit, especially as parents. I would still go for a run once in a while, drink a little coffee, and an hour later it's flown out of me without getting into too much detail. And I'm still fairly, I felt good about myself. But recently, recently I'm experiencing consequences to what I do. Things don't just shake off anymore. My body's sore after big projects of, around the house or after doing like moments of competitiveness. My desire for fitness isn't really there, and the coffee just isn't enough. My parents and in-laws, they are like, that's what this stuff is for, Aaron, right? Metamucil, fibrous foods. Now, I'm being a little silly, right? But I have a desire for my body to last me a lot more years in the future. I want to be able to still do things, compete, and, and not be sore, to function well like I did when I was younger. Now, I don't know how many years my body has left, but I still want it to, be the, it to be the best it can for hopefully many more years in the future or while it's here, whether it's another year or 50 years. So I'm changing now. I'm eating a little bit healthier. I'm working out a bit more. My attitude towards how hard I'm willing to be on it is changing. Now, you might be wondering what this has to do with caring for the world. Well, that's how we should feel about the earth is what my studies brought out. The earth is aging and we want it to last. Just because we maybe don't have an endless amount of time with it, we should care for it while we're here and for future generations. Which probably leads to another question you maybe have. What does this all have to do with Jurassic Park, right? Well, the Jurassic Park movies, it tends to spark reflection on the relationship between humans and the natural world and our responsibility to it. And this is something worth reflecting on because I think a lot of Christians or people who are trying to follow God miss that in Scripture. God commissions us to care for the world and be responsible for it. We see this specifically in the beginning of the Bible where God creates, and he gives us the specific role. It's in the first few chapters of Genesis, and it's a part of the Bible that kind of just paints this picture of, of how God creates, and purely just to kind of show that God does create. Uh, but it ends with God creating his masterpiece, his prized possession, which is us. You can see this after creating everything. It says this in Genesis 1, 27 to 38. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God creates us in the image of himself to be like God. He then blesses us and tells us, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I want to just point out a few words of this last section here that God says to do. Be fruitful, increase, fill, subdue, rule. Those are verbs. Those are roles. Those are responsibilities. 
It then continues in verse 29. It says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God has given us creation for us to use, is what it's implying. But then if we shift to Genesis 2, so that's Genesis 1, and go to Genesis 2, which is actually another perspective to how God creates and, and the show that God creates, but it's a different picture in a sense, as it's a bit different than chapter 1. And it says this in Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Again, a few words I want to point out for you. Work it, take care of it. Shortly after this happens, God gives us responsibility, more responsibility to the earth, naming things actually. Check this out. Now, in the Lord, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Can you imagine how amazing that'd be? Right? Like, you get to name every living creature. That's amazing. I mean, if you talk to any kid today, right, any kid about a pet that they want, they absolutely want to be the person that names it, right? Every kid wants to name their pet. And I think it's because it feels like it's theirs then, right? They have ownership over it, which is why I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm guessing here, in a family household, neither parent wants to be the one that names the pet in that situation because it feels like it's theirs then that they have to become the primary caregiver for when the child doesn't. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the case. But I remember growing up uh, when I was a kid uh, with pets, I wanted to name our pets. And I named our first cat when I was really little Pencil. That's what its name was. And my parents can handle it, so it became Penny. Uh, we had a dog named Lindy, and I got to name that dog. And I couldn't remember what I named her for the first month. Is it Lindsay or Lindley or what, what is it? And then my dog now, actually, uh, she was a shelter dog, and she was already named. Her name's Willow. So that made life just super easy on that one. But when you name things... It creates ownership, right? God gives us ownership over creation. To wrap up creation and, and the story in Genesis, God gives the first humans this freedom and responsibility in the world, but essentially says, just be obedient to me by not going through this one area and doing this one thing. Show me that you can be obedient by listening and following through with this. Yet we as humans just can't be obedient is how the creation story goes. We all follow temptation. We succumb to temptation even though we know it's wrong. And the first humans, they kind of take the hit for us. Like they take the punishment even though we all would have messed up in their situation because we all have this innate desire for more. And it causes the separation, this, this disconnect between us and God. After the first humans, they, they succumb to this temptation. We see God says things like this to them in Genesis 3:17. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. God reminds us, although he gave us power, responsibility, ownership. He tells us we are of the earth, dust, like everything else. We are not God, so we shouldn't see ourselves greater than God. Now reading this and hearing this story, have you embraced some of the responsibility God has given us in creation? 
be fruitful, increase, fill, subdue, rule, have dominion, work it, and care for it is our responsibility, that scripture says. God has entrusted us, but we aren't God. We can't just do whatever we want with it. We have a responsibility to it, though. Uh, Famous evangelist Billy uh, Graham, he says this, We know that God created the world and it belongs to him, not us. Because of this, we are only stewards or trustees of God's creation, and we aren't to abuse or neglect it. With all this said, the creation story, it tells us that we have a responsibility to the earth. But how, right? In which way? And in what manner? And that's what we're going to spend our remaining time on today. Now, I know what some of y'all may be thinking right now, maybe shaking your head a little bit. Aaron, this is a pretty politicized topic. I thought this was supposed to be like a fun like movie series, like movie message, let's keep the politics out of it. And honestly, you're right. This topic is highly politicized. That many times motivations to care for the earth or not, it feels more political than religious. And you maybe just don't want to put yourself in a political extreme or category by do something or not. And if that's you, I hear you in that. But if you look at both major political parties, you can see that they have both failed to live up the biblical standard of care and responsibility of creation. And to just follow a party or to not do something God wants because of a political party, that's not putting God first. Again, he wants us to rule to be, to, to be his creation and his image, to work the earth, to increase, to fill, to subdue. All great things, right? A lot of us love doing those things. But he also says care for the earth. So how do you do that well? How do you do that well? How do you care for the earth while working it? How do we know what God wants from us when it comes to the environment? What things can we do that actually matter today? And this is where I think the Jurassic Park movies really align with what Scripture pushes us to do when it comes to caring for land. Uh, The first thing that I think we can see from the movies and in comparison to real-life truth, along with our commission to care for the earth from God, is we need to know new discoveries are going to be made. New discoveries are going to be made. Science, it should not be seen as the enemy of faith. Good scientific interpretation and good biblical interpretation should lead to the same outcomes. If they disagree, we should both go back and study some more. We should do more testing, more interpreting, more studying, more more looking and reading. There are going to be new scientific discoveries that change what we do and why we do it, especially when it comes to caring for the world. Just because it isn't in the Bible explicitly doesn't mean it's not how or how not God wants us to care for the, the environment. Uh, some of you maybe know my wife. Her name's Sydney. Uh, you maybe know that she's pregnant. Well, at least you hope you did, or otherwise you've been thinking, she must be in her mid-30s too and getting to that point, uh, slacking and neglecting. But we're having a little girl. She's pregnant, and we're having a little girl in less than a month. But anyways, there are so many conflicting things out there right now about what to do with a baby, and it's changed a crazy ton when it comes to sleep specifically too. Do you swaddle them or not? On the back, side, belly, front, like bottom, right? With you, without you, blankets, no blankets. There's just so much information out there. It's insane and honestly extremely stressful. But if there's a new discovery that could potentially be harmful to my newborn, we're definitely going to follow it, right? Now, obviously, you got to take this with a grain of salt is kind of how the quote goes. 
but when it comes to caring for the earth, are you aware of what is helpful or not based off of the new discoveries out there? There's another line in that trailer that we watch that we, uh, I want to show you in a second that I think applies to this well. Check it out. Genetic power has now been unleashed. Genetic power has now been unleashed. Could new discoveries like genetic power be extremely helpful? Absolutely, right? Science is this gift from God who is the source of all good things. James 1.17, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The fact that we can use our intellect and explore the physical world and make discoveries and improve our living conditions is not only wonderful, it's extremely biblical. There are new discoveries that help us care for the world in amazing ways. Recycling, emission things, sanitation, finding out ways to create clean water, not being wasteful with paper or consumables or energy. For you, what do you feel is something you've been neglecting that you need to address to show obedience to God's commission for you to care for the world? There's got to be something, right? There's got to be something. Whatever it is for you, act on it. Now, as you're thinking, I'm pretty sure you can think of some scientific things that are great, and then there's some things that you can probably think of, and you're like, that could not be good. That is not good. And I am not acting on this. Is maybe what you're feeling inside. For example, like letting dinosaurs roam the earth today, right? Like we learned from Jurassic Park. They play that consequence out for us. If we do something like that, check out this scene. It just kind of shows some of that dramatically. That would be scary, right? I don't really want to experience that. That would be a consequence, right? Now, Jurassic Park, it plays that out for us every movie. I don't think we have the ability to create dinosaurs today, but even if we did, we aren't supposed to just blindly see every new discovery as this win or as a positive that we are to embrace to help care for people or the world. Because when it comes to care, you need to remember, God has created you as a moral being. You are a moral being. Just because we have a discovery or the ability to do certain things for our environment, for the earth, for ourselves, doesn't mean we should. It's a principle of life, right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I, I learned this kind of the hard way uh, with some things. Like as a kid, I'm out of mom and dad's house, and it's all exciting. I, I'm going to stay up as late as I want every night and party it up. It took me a long time, a couple of years, to learn the lesson that I'm going to feel like crumb. That's why I'm feeling like crumb. It's because I'm staying up all night. That, it took me a while to learn that. When at first I got my, my first full-time job, like I was like, yay. I got some money then finally. Like, I mean, I went from like having like zero money to some money with my first full-time job. And I'm like, I get to splurge now. Yes. I'm going to go buy the big pack of brats and I'm going to eat all of them. And then I felt like crud. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm going to only buy name brand products for clothes. And then I realized I can only buy one shirt. And I had like no money for gas or real groceries. 
and I was eating ramen up for a while still. Uh, I'm going to buy the big pack of cookies, and I'm going to eat them all myself. I'm not sharing with anybody, and I got super sick. The list can go on. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Now, sometimes when you can, you must. Like when it's Wally weekend and you can eat cheese curds, you should, right? You got to eat the cheese curds. Anybody with me on the cheese curds at Wally weekend? If not, go try some afterwards. <laughs> but just because you can, right, doesn't mean you should. And this should carry over in what we do for the world and for the world with God, of what God would want for us. In Romans uh, 2, 14 to 16, it says this. The Bible shows us uh, that God has kind of given us all people morality to, to, take, or to make God-honoring decisions, whether we are a follower of him or not. He's planted this in us. It says this. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. We in our hearts should have this conscience, ethics, thoughtfulness to our actions. Sure, we sin or mess up, we choose to go against what's right, and even try to avoid or even intentionally block our morality inside, but it's there. It's there. For you, do you listen to it? When it comes to working and caring for the earth, do you listen to it? There's a scene in the first Jurassic Park movie where the scientists that are a part of it, they start questioning this organization, the organization that bought the technology to create dinosaurs and make this amazing amusement park out of them. And the scientists, they call them out a bit by asking, have you at least thought about the consequences of what you're doing? Check out this scene. The danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here, genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalization. If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Did they stop and think if they should? God has placed a sense of conscience within us to think about the consequences, to think about whether what we're doing is right or wrong. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. As you think about caring for the earth, the way God has commissioned us to do in Genesis, whether the thing that sticks out to you that you could do or you could advocate for or you know there's technology for, but it just doesn't sit well with you as a Christian to act on, do you do it or not? Sure, it's maybe a freedom you have as a human or an American or maybe it's a freedom you have financially even, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. For you, is it 
deforestation or pharmaceutical or surgical? Is it something that could maybe make us safer, but there are consequential, consequential issues? Is it maybe of how you dispose of something or not? Is it what you spend your money on of something or not? In these situations, when we don't act on what God has placed on our hearts, the consequence, it maybe doesn't show up to us right away or immediately or visibly, but it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere, and the burden is usually on someone. If we go back to kind of like the idea of naming a cat or a dog or a pet, you maybe didn't want to care for a dog or a cat when you got it for your child, but it's a burden given to you as a parent that you have to take. As a Christian, God has given you responsibility, whether you want it or not. He has given you responsibility for that burden, to care for the world. You maybe didn't want it, but you got it. And for you to just kind of pass over it or avoid it or ignore it or the burden of caring for the world, that's disobeying a command from God. It's disobeying a commission from God. Again, you're a moral being with a burden for it. Where is your morality prompting you to take responsibility? Because the last thing we can see is you are to have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to the world. There's one more, tra- or one more line in the trailer that we watched originally that I thought stuck out quite a bit, and I think it applies well. Check it out. The doomsday clock might be about out of time. The doomsday clock might be a bit out of time. It seems so many people try to predict when the end times are coming, right? Do I know when they're coming? No. Do I think anyone knows? No. Scripture says like stuff like this, Matthew 24, 36. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Whether the end of times or doomsday or whatever is coming soon or later, or we're close to running out of time or not, we are still commissioned to be fruitful, increase, fill, subdue, rule, to work it, to care for it. I think part of why God doesn't tell us like, when it's going to happen is because if we know we're getting close to it or down to the wire, we would probably feel like, oh, we're good. I'm not going to do anything more. I'm good. I uh, mentioned I have a dog. Her name's Willow. And I adopted her just as a puppy. Um, before I even knew my wife, I was just a bachelor, and I had my puppy Willow, and we did everything together. She mountain biked with me. We hiked. We tr- she actually trained for a marathon with me car rides, trips for her to swim, like we were bonded, right? Uh, then Sydney came into the picture, my wife, and that kind of continued. She was like our baby, uh, and she honestly liked Sydney more than me, so that was like a win. Uh, and then we started to get like a little bit older, uh, and Willow started to get a little bit older. She's about 10 now, so she's not able to do super long runs anymore, and she couldn't do the longer hikes anymore. And then, then we had a baby, We had a baby, and she kind of got replaced. Like, I'm busier, Sydney's busier. And after having a newborn, Willow went through this stretch where she was kind of forgotten. Like, not that we forgot to feed her or give her water, but we didn't have the free time we once did with her. And she didn't we didn't have the ability to bring her along on all those long workouts that we used to. And Sydney and I, we kept thinking, like, ah you're probably giving her love. Like, you're giving her the pets or whatever. Like, you know, we were just always thinking the other person was taking care of her. When finally we discussed and we realized no one was. No one was doing anything. 
What we learned is we each had this responsibility for this dog, the commitment to care for this dog, yet we neglected it because we thought the other person was picking up the slack. And in that sense, our dog didn't have the most amazing life for that year. I think that's the same with us when it comes to the world. We all think someone will do something. You know, those people who are really into it, they'll do something. They'll make it better. But what if we're all roaming around thinking someone else is going to give love? But then we get to a point and we realize no one has. You are responsible for it. God's solution for caring for the world, nature, environment, the earth, it's you. God's solution is you. Polluted water that, that people drink, God's solution is you. Deforestation, you. Animals thriving, you. Learning how to produce in the world, you. Food shortage, you. Methane abundance, you. God's solution is you for these things. Have you embraced the responsibility? If not, what steps do you need to take to make that happen? I don't expect anyone here to go from thinking, from like never thinking about the environment to not all of a sudden like chaining yourself to a tree later on today. I'm not expecting any of that. But what's your next step, right? Is it just recycling at home? Is it not being wasteful? Is it thinking ethically about food or whatever it is or what you invest in? As I close us today, I want you to think, have you embraced new discoveries, your morality, and your responsibility? What's your next step that you need to work towards or grow with with one of these? Care for the world, it's rooted in Scripture. We can see it. And Jesus also taught that the most important commandments are to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Check this out in Mark 12, 30-31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second most important commandment would be love your neighbor as yourself. Our love for God is reflected in fulfilling the role he gave humanity. To bear his image and to care for our, gener- for our world, for the generations to come, is caring for our neighbors. You might be here right now, and you maybe have never felt your sense of calling that you feel inside to, to care for the world might actually be how God has been calling you to him for a long time. You might see yourself as a non-Christian today, but you're seeing how this care for the earth and God's ways, they can kind of go hand in hand. That might be the Holy Spirit calling you to God. If that's you, that might be the biggest next step you can take today. Tell God you acknowledge his push, his call for you. And you know you're not perfect, but you know that he forgives you and that you're open to his leading and care for the world and also in other things. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in a second. You can tell God that and you can start your journey with God. But if you've done that before, I'm also going to pray that we embrace a next step. Not a dinosaur-like step for caring for the environment, but a step of loving our neighbor and God by being open to new discoveries, by embracing our morality, and embracing our responsibility. If you want to ask God to help you do one of those things this week and start thinking about those things this week, I'm going to pray that he prompts me in some way this week. If you want that too, you can pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us just a clear example of of how you want us to care for the world. God, I just pray that you have us take a next step, whatever that is for us. We're all at different places, but God, just prompt us in a way that, that is a next step that's honorable to you. Help us know what that is for us to care for the world. And God, some of us are saying right now, we, we've been caring for the world for a long time and didn't realize that that's connected to you. And God, I just pray, some of us are saying right now, we want to be a follower of you. We want your lead. We want your direction to really care for the world. 
And God, I just pray that you have us figure out what the the next step is for each and every one of us, that we can start this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.